I feel very out of control of my kids. Oh. All the time. This is all really resonating and definitely what I needed to hear. Because, yeah, I was thinking more not that I control my kids, maybe that I control our environment. You know, it's my house. I'm buying the groceries. Mm -hmm. I buy, I set it up so it's like a curated bubble that they live in. Bubble that they live in. Tell Me About Your Kids is a chance for you to listen in on unscripted conversations with connected parenting specialist Bonnie Harris. As she talks with real parents like you about real struggles like yours, these counseling sessions get to the heart of why our buttons get pushed as parents and offer tips and advice useful no matter your child's age. Listen in and subscribe to let go of old habits and raise your kids in a way that feels good. If you're having a parenting challenge and need help, visit BonnieHarris.com for free resources, schedule a session, or get a free one-on-one counseling session by becoming a podcast guest. We're all in it together. You're not alone. Thanks for listening. Tell me about your kids. Welcome back to Tell Me About Your Kids with Bonnie Harris. I am Adam Arnone, obviously not Bonnie Harris, but she is also here. I'm here. You are here. Thank goodness or there would be no podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how are you feeling so far about uh, this this season, this group of episodes? Are you, you happy well, so far? I'm excited and I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of that a theme is emerging here. Mm, it does feel that way, doesn't and, it? And uh, I think it's it's a theme that is useful to every one of us because it really has to do with how do we take care of ourselves and at the same time manage our often chaotic, difficult lives. Mm. But we've got to have the resources to do that and... So I'm seeing this theme emerging that we're going to focus on this season, the season of survival. I feel like a, a lot of these tips that that get passed down to people, it's almost like having a generator when you know when the power goes out. Like you, you need exactly. to have you need to have it's this extra just, this extra bit to just get you through. Exactly, it's just something to just push some ideas in there and right. help you feel energized. Well. Um, you talked to Franny today. Her and her husband have four children, um, seven and under. And I know, I'm sure some people are listening like, only four? <laughs> you know? I have eight. <laughs> I, right, right. And they're all on top of me right now. <laughs> I am buried under their Legos all right now. <laughs> um, but but in this in this situation, um, they are very specific. They're um, they're farmers, and they have a very specific ideology for how they are living their lives, and and this is what they were doing before they had children. And the hope is to you know just plug your children into that 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 uh, current that you are that you already have. You're you're right. eating certain foods. You're um, staying away from certain things because this is this is part of how you live your life. And food is very important to her. This is an organic farm. This is a very, right. very intentional farm. And Franny loves to cook and loves to prepare food. <laughs> I know. I, uh, I got hungry. Just I know. <laughs> thinking about it. But the the trouble is, 
is that when there are these moments of control and things in our child's life that we certainly can control, we hope we can control, we hope we can at least steer them, we can tell them the things that, that we want them to know, and we can hope that they subscribe to that, that whole um, way of being. But then there's things that are out of your control, and it's sort of where do you draw the line and that seemed to be a huge part of what Franny was going through, was I want them to be uh, present in, like, in what they eat, how they eat, um, the things that they put inside of their body, the things they put inside of their mind. Um, but then there's these times when they're not thinking about and that. eating became food and eating became a metaphor for all kinds of things. Right. It's, how, it's that... How does she raise her children in this ideology, in this philosophy that they, she and her husband, subscribe to without controlling them, without manipulating them? How does, as she had said to me, how do I handle or how do I control was the word she used. How do I control them when they're outside of our bubble and they're getting food I don't like, they're doing things that – what's more of an influence? Is it the outside the bubble or is it the inside the bubble? I was interested in that bubble idea too. But we're all in that to a certain extent. We, of course, want to raise our children the way – we want them to become, and we don't have control over that. Yeah, and that's that's a hard one. That's that's a hard one to deal with, mm -hmm. especially in the moment, because right. you you are you're you feel like this is just the right thing, um, but giving up control is. I feel like giving it's one of the toughest control things. Control is very hard. Yeah, especially when you were controlled as a child. Right, right. You're finding that balance between raising children who are free thinkers, but then mm -hmm. also feeling like you're giving them enough of an education to make the the choice that you think is right. <laughs> right, and how do yeah. you influence them most? We right. get we get into that in a big way in this podcast. All right. Well, here we go. Fears are always about the future. What will happen to my children when and if? Catastrophizing can get us out of control. But recognizing fears, which are perfectly normal, can be a wake-up call for self-care. When you recognize fears, then you can do a reality check to bring your conscious mind to the situation so you control your fears rather than letting them control you. Good morning, Franny. Welcome to the show. Hey, Bonnie. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Sure. So tell me about your kids. I have four kids. I have Eversole, who's seven. Um, and he is a very dramatic and earnest, sincere, um, emotional child. And then I have Charlie, who is five and a half. And he is definitely our integrity child. And, but also can be very, very tender, especially with animals and his baby brother. 
and I have Cicely, who is four, and she is full of life. And I have Mars, who is two. So I have three boys and one girl, and Mars is just a sweetie so far still. Wow. And that that's great. pretty sweet face. That's great. Just starting to get on people's nerves, only just recently. <laughs> well, as two- and three-year-olds can do. But it sounds yep. like you've got some great kids, and I didn't hear anything negative coming out about them. yeah well i'm not with them right now i feel like absence as soon as they're gone i feel definitely better about them (laughs) (laughs) so what would you like to talk about well i originally reached out to you because i find myself really struggling with control when my kids are outside of my control um Personally, I have, I feel like I can be a little bit dogmatic about diet um, as I work through my own relationship with food, but just feeling stressed about the amount of food in the world that is not great, or I guess specifically in America. So I feel like it's been a journey for me to really let go of control in our house. So it's gotten to the point where I feel good in our house about our kids being able to eat however much of whatever we have. I've gotten cereals. took me a while to like be okay with cereals. I've gotten to a point where they can basically eat however much, whatever they want in our house. They have, I'm not going to control how much they eat or what they eat. That felt really liberating and healthy, you know, that I cook all of our meals and I say, you can eat what I've made or you can make yourself something if you clean up after yourself. Mm-hmm. And so they have those options and they're, and oftentimes that means just like cereal or yogurt and granola, or they can make their own toast with bread that I've made or whatever. They're very like, uh, they can make their own thing and that felt good and liberating. But then as soon as they're outside of my environment, going to a friend's house or something and drinking like gallons of sweet tea or other food, I feel like I'm relaxed and relaxed and they gleefully tell me about all the things that they've eaten yes, or right. like the YouTube videos. They stayed up until 11 watching. Mm-hmm. They just had their first sleepover recently. So it was on my mind then. You say they as if they kind of go as a, as a group. Well, they went, so Eversol went one night to some friends that have a, a girl about his age. And then they have a son that's in between Sicily and Charlie. So the first night, Eversole went and then they invited Charlie to come the next night. So Eversole came home and Charlie went and spent the night the next night. Okay. And these are near neighbors? They're not quite neighbors, but in the country, I guess they're close enough. Yeah. You know, it's fine. I don't react really to them. It's more like my conversations with Charlie later, or I'm sure they can sense that I'm uncomfortable. They know that I don't like like processed foods and tons of fast food. I mean, they ate fast food multiple times while staying with these people, like in a period of 24 hours. So, right. They were living their best life. They rarely eat fast food with us. So, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, that's great. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. Something new and different. Yum. So so how much of that do you feel like you're really putting on for their benefit and you're trying to talk yourself into it? And how much of it are you... Um, kind of dying on the inside. 
Oh, it's 100% I'm just dying on the inside. But I, mm. it feels, but I just okay. know that it's totally irrational. Like this has been such a long, like multiple year, ever since having kids that can ingest food and you're around people and everyone wants to give them cookies. It's been like something that I've like worked through since having kids. And, you know, with each kid, you become more relaxed anyway. So they're really not eating. We're not, it's not that, you know, Puritan of, I feel like I'm making it sound like this perfect food environment, but it's not really. I've let go of a lot of stuff. Well, I do think, Franny, it's important for our listening audience to know what you and your husband are doing. Mm -hmm. So why don't you just say very briefly about your, talk about your farm. Okay. Well, we have a cut flower farm. So we grow flowers for market and for home delivery. And then I also grow a lot of vegetables for ourselves. Um, So, and then we have, we're plugged into the farmer community. So most of our produce comes from people that we know, or all of our produce. They don't really buy produce at the store, but produce and meat. And we also live rurally. So eating out isn't really an option unless you want Mm -hmm. a fried catfish sandwich or a hamburger, which sometimes hits the spot, but it's not something that we do regularly. So I cook most of our meals. And and food is not just this is what we have to do to survive and fill ourselves and give our bodies nutrition. Food is, is also part of your vocation. Well, yes. And also and also I love food. I love to cook. I love to eat. I spend most of my time thinking about the next meal. Mm-hmm. Um, like most holidays, memories that come to mind for me are foods that I love to make. Or so it's very important, very important to you. Yes, yeah. it's important. It's important to me. What is extremely important to us can easily become a pressured expectation for our children. If this is important to me, it will be important to you as well. If it's not important to my child, have I failed? Think about what is very important to you. Do you hold it as a strong value in your life to be a model for your children? Or do you expect your children to give it the same value you do? So when you're dying on the inside, when your kids are telling you about all the fun things they had to eat, what do you do with that? How much do you think of that you are trying to cover up and how much of that are you honest about and talk about with your kids? We definitely we definitely have candid conversations about my opinions on food and but in the moment, I've tried to tread carefully around making them feel bad for the things that they like. Do you know, I feel like food, like with preservatives and things, are made to taste good for whatever reason or your brain to react to them. They can't really help that. I mean, everyone loves French fries and chicken nuggets. You know, I feel like those 
things taste good. So I've tried to, you know, in the moment when they're telling me about those things, I don't want them to feel anything negative about their, I don't want it to become a tool for them. And I don't want it to be a negative experience for them. Mm -hmm. Having gone to, they had a pot for them. It was a very positive experience having the sleepover, their first sleepover. So Franny, it sounds to me like you are pretty on top of this. You know that you don't want to control your kids with what you want to have happening. Ideally, it would be great if they only ate from someone's kitchen. But it you're very aware, and it sounds like you're doing what you want to do with it, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't fully integrate with how you would like things to be. What is your problem with it now? It's probably the same problem in terms of like the ultimate fear is that maybe that my children become unhealthy or that I feel so much of parenting if you are not doing like what the mainstream accepted thing is like so much parenting feels like conflict to me (laughs) and uh, sometimes it feels like do I really want to make this other conflict with my kids my really it just feels like so much you know whether it's boundaries around screen time or boundaries around types of food or I don't know. It, it just feels like there's a lot of conflict with my kids that feels like it's just a byproduct of modern times, mm. you know, and trying to resist. So I, I think I get into this future place in my head where I'm like, oh, great. Now there's this other thing that I'm going to have to like have a lot of conflict with my kids about, you know, now they've had chicken nuggets and now that's all they're going to want, which is just really not rational. And it's almost never true. I would like your calm, reasonable outside perspective on how much influence things outside of your bubble actually have on your kids. And even if it had all the influence, still what I can do with myself to feel better about my parenting and my children instead of causing me to tighten down further or something you know? Okay. So are you in, let's talk about the conflict for a minute. That's very interesting to me. Um, because I, I think that there are several layers of conflict going on. There's conflict between you and the mainstream parenting in America, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's probably out there for an awful lot of parents who are wanting to come from a connective approach. Then there's also the conflict between you and your kids. They want X and you want Y. And that's just part and parcel of raising kids. And then there's also the conflict within your, within yourself. Mm -hmm. What do you want? Is that right or wrong? What should you be doing? 
what can you be doing? What do you want to do? Right. And is what you want to do in conflict with what is right for your children? Right. Okay, so we have the dilemma named. I think it's important to look at the conflict and all the different layers of conflict because I think everybody has similar layers. My opinion is that you and your husband are the, bar none, the most important influences on your children. Whether that's positive or negative, that is what happens in our families of origins. Our parents are the most important influences in whatever direction that is taking us, right? So what is important to you influences your children very directly and powerfully. How you want to put that across to your children influences whether they're going to follow in your values and what's important to you or whether they're going to resist it and work against it. Mm -hmm. And I think that the more aware we are as parents of, and it sounds like you are, Franny, the more aware we are of that conflict that's going on in our own heads, of all the conflicts we have, the more we can be reasonable and rational when it comes time to protecting our kids. And what I think you don't want to do and what I think you're aware of is, is you don't want to get into that place of overprotecting them, but you do want them to be healthy. You do want them to have uh, good mental health as well as physical health and nutrition. Mm -hmm. When you're controlling your children's eating, when you're controlling their screen time, when you're controlling what's happening to them in the outside world, that control often backfires. And as we talk on this podcast a lot about integrity children and harmony children, and you said that you think of Charlie as your integrity child, uh, integrity kids are more likely to fight you, and harmony kids are more likely to take on what you think and what you want. And it can backfire for them as well in that they don't really know what they want. They just are doing what other people think they should do. Right. Right. I think when you are saying that you talk to your kids about the importance of eating, you it sounds like you talk to them about ingredients and talk to them about healthy eating. Talk to them about what you believe about how food should be taken care of, cooked, presented, provided. Then you're sharing with them your beliefs. And I think that's, you know, what we want to do about everything. When you are controlling them, then you are trying, you can't make them, trying to make them follow suit. So the more 
influence you have on your children, I believe, depends on how much independence you give them to make their own choices. Does that make sense? Yes. You are going to have more influence on your children the more you say, this is what I believe, this is what's valuable to me, you will come on your own as you grow up, as you mature, right? and you're not saying you have to do it my way. And I do say, you know, when you said that about the integrity and harmony children, I realized maybe all of my children are a little bit integrity children. Right, yeah. <laughs> Charlie's just the most intensely, like the most physical, the most reactive, the most takes the most energy, I feel like, but Mm -hmm. they definitely all feel very comfortable disagreeing. I feel very out of control of my kids all the time. This is all really resonating and definitely what I needed to hear because, yeah, I was thinking more not that I control my kids, maybe that I control our environment. You know, it's my house. I'm buying the groceries. Mm -hmm. I buy, I set it up so it's like a curated bubble that they live in so I can control our environment. I know that I can't really control them. But I say when we're grocery shopping and they want to buy these cereals that I'm not comfortable, I say, you know, when you get older and you're buying your own cereal or you go to college, you live somewhere besides me, you're probably going to buy this stuff and it's going to be great. I did when I was in college. Love cereal, still do, but I just don't feel okay buying it for you guys now. And it may be something that you get later when you get older. And I say those things. And I think that's just fine. It is your job as their parent to bring into your home what you want. You are in charge of that. Right. Right? That doesn't mean you're controlling them. It means you are, as you just said, you're controlling your environment. You want certain things within your family, certain things in your home that are important to you. That's that's how we all go about raising a family. We make our choices, but the difference is in how much we control our children to attempt to make them make the same choices we make. Right. Does that make sense? Yes, this is also immediately making me wonder like how it affects their view of other people, you know, because in a way by choosing one thing, is it automatically condemning the choices of another person? I don't think so. Not unless not unless you say, I don't want you going to that family's house because I don't like what they serve you. I don't like how they do this. I don't like how they do that. Now, if you're going to feel very, very strongly about another family and how they conduct their lives, that's, then you're not going to let your children go there. You know, that's not going to, you know, if they're alcoholics or drug addicts and they don't pay any attention to their kids, that's not going to happen because it's not in your realm of how you want your children to experience life. Right. You know, I think the same thing is true of anything, religion, politics, anything that is, that we think about. The difference between influence and control is how much you are willing to own your value system and your beliefs and how much 
and how important it is to you to make sure that your children do the same. And when, and, and I will say again, cause I'm not sure I'm, I, this is really clear. It is so important. If you want to influence your children in what you believe in how you conduct your life, then the most important teaching is your modeling. You want to be the type of person who thinks and believes in ways that you hope your children will. So you don't have to teach them. You don't have to indoctrinate them. You just have to be that, you know, kind, compassionate um, person who loves food and cares a lot about preparing food and loves cooking. And that doesn't mean they're going to be that way, but you're going to have much more influence over how they think about food, how they are as people, when you just model it for them. Right. And you don't say, don't you ever have a chicken nugget unless that chicken is fried in somebody's kitchen. That's going <laughs> to send them in the other direction, right? That's going to say, oh, yeah, watch me run to McDonald's. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very tempting for so many parents to, to really try to control that in their children and get very controlling at the dinner table. They've got to eat this and they've got to try this and they've got to do that. And in fact, we don't allow our children to learn for themselves what their bodies like and don't like. But at your dinner table, it's letting your children dis discover what they like and what they don't like within the parameters of what you bring into the house. Right. Right. That's your job. Their job is what they take from it all. Right. But when you're in the grocery store, it's important to talk about food, to talk about what you believe is really good for our bodies and what's not good for our bodies. So what I'm hearing, too, is that, you know, food is really just, you could put, you could talk about anything. Exactly. It's just an important reminder exactly. about your attitude. And, yep. and, I, and I know that a lot of times. I know that food is really just one label on a bigger picture of things that I'm trying to figure out. They all fit under the same umbrella. Right. Whether it's screen time, making friends, choosing friends, all of that. Let's say your child has chosen a friend that you have a problem with, right? That you mm -hmm. don't like your kid being friends with for whatever reasons. You're going to have a lot more influence over your child if you talk to your child about what they really like about that kid and what they don't like. Because we all like and don't like things about people, what that person does for them, what they do for that person, to really get into a discussion about that rather than saying, you can't hang out with that kid. Right. As soon as we tell our kids what to do, that's like the formula for sending them right in that direction. That makes a lot of sense.
When we believe it's our job to teach and mold our children to be the people we expect them to be, we either send them in the opposite direction than we want, or we create dependence on someone else's belief system to control their own. Those who have to follow a particular doctrine often don't know what they believe themselves and lose personal integrity. So when you think about extrapolating that to whatever area outside your bubble you think about, does it feel like this is a principle you can generate to other areas? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times the problem is my own spiral and going into this future place that feels scary or out of my control. It's called catastrophizing. Right catastrophizing yeah um, and we all do and it. i definitely yeah and, and and in all aspects of our life you know i feel like that's what doing kind of self-work is all about is like anti-catastrophizing right <laughs> some things i feel like my journey and just trying to be a better person touches on these things too well that's exactly what my buttons work is all about the my book, When Your Kids Push Your Buttons, and the workshop and all of that. It's about... Yeah, I've been reading. I got your book. <laughs> oh, great. Great. Um, being aware of that catastrophizing, realizing that it's about fear. And when we don't pay attention to fear, it just controls us, right? It just takes over. And when we realize, oh, I'm really afraid that my children aren't going to be healthy. I'm really afraid that my children are going to go off and do something I don't, I don't like, or they're going to get into really scary behaviors. When you are aware of those fears, then you can pay attention, realize what it is you're actually thinking what your fear is, and then you can look at it and do a reality check. Where am I on that? How real is that? How many times has it happened? What is the likelihood of it happening? What's the worst case scenario? And how will I, how will I respond if the worst case scenario actually happens? Right. And just not that you're going to know, but when you think about it that way, then you have control over those fears rather than those fears having control over you. Right. And I guess the key is to getting in that practice of doing that. Yeah. You know, being able to, like you talk about in your book, like when your mind goes offline, giving yourself 10 seconds to right. get your rational brain right. thinking again. That's the hard thing for me. I feel like I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm a cool mom. I'm chill. This is fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh my God, I'm not fine anymore. Right. That's where it usually goes. You know, it's like, okay, one juice pouch, cool. Two juice pouches. It's like, you know, more than I'd like you to drink three juice pouches. Okay. I'm starting to feel a little angry. Oh, you're going for the fourth juice pouch. <laughs> now I'm feeling like stressed out. 
And sometimes when you're so like burnt out from parenting, which I feel like I often am. Well, you've got four kids, seven and under. Yeah, it's harder to change your habits when your resources feel low. Um, Ideally, I would like wake up every morning and meditate and drink my coffee before they get up and be prepared. But that just doesn't happen. Exactly. This is a really good reminder. It feels very affirming. That's good. All right. Well, thank you so much, Fanny, for telling me about your kids and coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. I'm Bonnie Harris. If you're curious to learn more or would like to talk to me personally, check out my website, bonnieharris.com, where you can also find my books, When Your Kids Push Your Buttons and Confident Parents' Remarkable Kids. There are also links in the liner notes. And please subscribe to Tell Me About Your Kids on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Tell Me About Your Kids is produced and scored by Echo Finch.